You're listening to More in the Morning on News Talk 1010 Toronto. Just looking at uh, Toronto Police Operations media feed, which they put out on Twitter on a regular basis. And, you know, you can be forgiven for thinking or for buying into the narrative, I guess, of uh, Toronto and Southern Ontario kind of turning into Gotham City. Um, A lot of people this week were venturing when we looked at a new series of numbers on violence on the TTC. People were saying, Andrew and Celia Bois said, I feel safer riding the subway in New York than I do in Toronto. I certainly wasn't about the idea of potentially being in danger that I found somewhat unsettling last night. We were coming back from uh, seeing Hamilton and another play had let out at exactly the same time. And then uh, was it the Raptors, Nick, who were playing last night? Okay, I have not been on a subway that crowded in two and a half, three years. It was packed. And I kept thinking, great, here comes COVID all over again. It's interesting how hardwired we are now to social distance, to at the very least regret leaving the mask at home, uh, but to be somewhat afraid of congregate settings. So this is the first anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and something that was supposed to be over very, very quickly uh, still continues. And the loss of life has been astonishing and it's led to a rebalancing of much of the world. I mean, Europe is and NATO are solidly behind the Americans. Canada still all in. We had the president of the United States actually go to Kiev this week and then meet with representatives of bordering nations. So the resolve is there, but the unfortunate situation is that even though we keep pouring arms and money into Ukraine, it's kind of a a deadlock. Melinda Herring is a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council's Eurasia Center and has been a bit of a Sherpa for us on this issue over the last year. It's nice to have you back. Thanks. Great to be with you, John. Okay, so where do you see us on this first anniversary of the invasion? Look, it's hard to convey everything that's happened in the last year. It feels like 10 years. Uh, There's been, you know, at least three phases of the war, some say five phases of the war. Just to backtrack, Putin expected to go in and take out Zelensky in a matter of days. Russia made a number of really obvious mistakes. It didn't follow its own military doctrine. When you go in and try to take over a country, according to Russian military doctrine, you should bomb for a series of weeks. They bombed for less than a day. They didn't have reinforcements. You know, it's a series of dumb, dumb, dumb mistakes. Um, And Kiev won the battle or sorry, Ukraine won the battle of Kiev and repelled uh, the Russians. But the uh, the phase two didn't look so good. Russia gobbled up a lot of territory. It went from holding 7% of Ukraine to 22%. And that was a battle of artillery um, out in eastern Ukraine. Then the Ukrainians struck back with a powerful counteroffensive, and they took uh, territory in the north, in the south. And since then, we've been bogged down uh, with a series of missile strikes, these cheap uh, these cheap, cheap drones that, that the uh, Russians are getting from Iran. Uh, and now uh, Russia's talking about a spring offensive, but it doesn't look like Russia has very much game. I, I don't know that it's a stalemate. One of the generals is calling it a slugfest, but you're absolutely right that 
uh, the outcome of the war depends on what the West gives Ukraine. And the West is united, but what it's sending is not enough and it's too slow. So that's really the problem uh, at one year in. Do you have any predictions? I mean, much, how much longer this goes on, whether or not eventually Ukraine actually does agree to surrender some territory? Well, John, my crystal ball is a little cloudy this morning, but uh, there are a couple of, of outcomes. So wars generally end in negotiations, but the Ukrainians are not in a mood to negotiate, especially after the mass war crimes we've seen. And these are not just war crimes. Your your listeners will remember Bucha. That's that's the one that made everyone's jaw drop. But it's been Bucha. It's been Irzum. It's been Gordyanka. It's been Mariupol when Putin tried to raise you know, 200,000 people off the face of the earth and, and, and bomb the children's theater, uh, you know, l- last May. So Ukrainians are not in a mood to negotiate and Americans um, are form. Uh, we, we, so there's a poll from Gallup that says that 65% of Americans and we're the big boy. We're, the, you know, what we do, Canada will follow, Britain will follow and everyone else will follow. 65% of Americans say support Ukraine, even if it means extending the war. And that was the same number as last year. So I don't see Ukraine fatigue. Unfortunately, I think this is going to grind on for a lot longer. And Ukrainians don't want to give an inch of their territory. So when Volodymyr Zelensky says we're not negotiating, uh, he is reflecting the will of the uh, of the general public. And Putin shows no willingness to, to negotiate either. So unfortunately, this is going to keep grinding on and we're going to lose uh, more innocent lives as, as a result result of this. Thank you so much for this. It's a grim anniversary. It is, but there is there are signs to be hopeful, John. Uh you know, in spite of the the headlines, I see hope every day. So, you know, the war grinds on, but uh, Ukrainians are building prosthetic hospitals in Lviv. I see Kiev School of Economics uh, building bomb shelters and reopening schools. Ukrainians aren't putting their feet up and waiting around. They're rebuilding their country now. Just look at the before and after pictures of Bucha. Bucha is has been repaired. Its grocery stores are open. Its housing is open. Its schools are open. Life is returning back to normal. Uh, Ukrainians believe in their future and they're confident they're going to win. And if the West continues to stand with them, they will. Thank you very much. Thank you. Melinda Herring is a non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council's Eurasia Center. So the story as told by Catherine Lake Burrs in a special to the star, it's the story of a soldier, 33 years old. He's actually a filmmaker, but now he's a soldier. His name is Vladimir Demchenko. He helped his partner pack up and get out of the country, managed to obtain a Kalashnikov, and then volunteered to defend. 